Welcome to another episode of the Creative on Purpose broadcast, conversations about finding fulfillment through more meaningful work. I'm your host, Scott Perry, author of Creative on Purpose, available on Amazon, or visit BeCreativeOnPurpose.com to get started with free chapters. Let's meet today's guest. Michael Bungay-Stanier, welcome to the broadcast. Please introduce yourself and share a project you're currently working on or excited about, or put another way, what's on your mind? <laughs> I, so yes, I'm Michael Bungay-Stanier. Um, well, introduce myself, that's always such a tricky thing. So here's the, here's the, the fast introduction. I'm Australian, um, I live in Canada. I got here because I won a scholarship that took me from Australia to England. That was brilliant because um, three things. One is it stopped me becoming a lawyer and I studied being, uh, becoming a lawyer in Australia, left actually being sued for defamation by a law lec- professor there. So saved me from that world. Secondly, I met my wife who's Canadian um, and we've uh, literally just uh, two days ago, three days ago, celebrated our 23rd wedding anniversary, which was awesome. And thirdly, it was a Rhodes Scholarship. So that gives me undeserved status and people thinking I'm smarter than I actually am. So there I finally stumbled out of university, having done a master's degree in, in literature at Oxford. Um, I fall into the world of innovation and creativity, where I try and invent products and services for stuff. That was a lot of fun, although I didn't actually invent a whole bunch of stuff that was successfully launched, although I played a small role in the uh, invention of stuffed crust pizza for Pizza Hut which was a moment of realization that if that was my peak moment in my career, it's been a terrible, terrible career. So after spending some time in the world of change management, that took me from London to Boston, um, and then leaving that world and coming up to Toronto, I I set up Box of Crayons, which started off in the classic entrepreneurial small business. My business model is to do say yes to anybody with a pulse and a wallet, but over time, it has evolved to being a training company. We train 10-minute coaching so busy managers can build stronger teams and get better results. I've written uh, five books. Um, the most recent, The Coaching Habit, uh, about 400,000 copies sold. The, it says oh, seven good questions can change the way you lead forever. One of them is the, the what we heard, which is what's on your mind. So that's brilliant. Um, one that might be particularly interesting for people on this podcast is called Do More Great Work. Basically says that when you're trying to take on life, things fall into one of three different buckets, bad work, good work, and great work. Bad work, life-sucking, soul-sucking stuff. Good work, your job description, whether you're an entrepreneur, small business person, family person, whatever, we all have our job description. And then great work is the work that has more impact and the work that has more meaning. Wow. So, there's a bunch of stuff. Most, <laughs> most of that's true. <laughs> well, I, I like the way that you covered up your um, your enrollment in the Witness Protection Program with Rhodes Scholarship. and, and uh, Exactly. This isn't my, my regular place. I was even better looking previously, but I've had massive plastic surgery that got me looking like this. Uh, well, you're not oh, doing so. What's the project I'm working on? Yes. Um, 
So I've got, I've actually got like three or four book ideas bubbling away in the back of my head and I'm resisting from working on them for now because actually one of my jobs is CEO of Box of Crayons and I'm learning what it means to run a training company that has 20 or so employees that needs to be strategic. Um, so it's a step up into a new role and a new way of thinking for me. So this might not fit under the normal label of, you know, what's the creative project you're working on. But for me, it really is a, a learning edge around how do I show up differently? How do I work differently? How do I lead differently? So that's what I'm working on, trying to figure that out as a way of working. Fantastic. Well, I think the premise, uh, I think the, when we use words like great work or work that matters, we're talking about any work yeah. of significance. I think parenting or being a spouse or being a boss or an employee, mm -hmm. uh, receptionist, a doctor, a dentist. I mean, we can do all, great in work in, in any of those endeavors. You, um, well, before, so I want to just say at the outset here, uh, and I want to express my gratitude to Michael. We we had a the, the most the best interview. interview. Oh my god! Oh, it was I possibly was, the best podcast interview ever recorded anywhere on this planet. Pretty sure. I have never been smarter and funnier. <laughs> Scott's never been wiser and more generous. It just you, you know in the start of the Princess Bride or maybe the end of The Princess Bride, where they talk about there have only been three perfect kisses, and this is one of the perfect kisses in The Princess Bride movie. It was like, we didn't kiss, but it was like that in terms of interviewing. It was that rare. It was Yeah, that what, rare. what happened to that interview, Scott? Uh, I think Just Tim, out of Cook, curiosity. Tim, Tim Cook decided that he didn't like us, and he kicked us off of... Uh, 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 through, through uh, us. He didn't like you. Sure. <laughs> Tim and I are like, we're tight, man. He would never do that to uh, me. It, 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 it is actually, Michael, you're right. I, I have been married for 30 years and I do understand that it's my fault. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we had, an, we had a fascinating conversation. We really did. And, and it got lost, uh, not in translation, but lost through the ether. But one of the things that we talked about that I would like to revisit is you and I have a mutual acquaintance, a mutual friend. Uh, we've both um, done some work with and for this man. Um, Seth Godin, tell us a little mm. bit about that that project uh, and, and about working with Seth. Yes. So this will be the second time I've told this story. This is the slightly disappointing version of the amazing time I've told it the first time. But yeah, so Seth and I, um, we created a book together called End Malaria. So in 2011, when he did his Domino Project um, series where he published 10 to 12 books, kind of going, I'm trying to disrupt the publishing industry. So here's my go at doing that. Um, I was one of the books that he picked up. Uh, I pitched it to him. Um, on the heels of Do More Great Work, where I say one of the most powerful things you can do is actually have a great work project, something that you say, this is a point of focus where I put time and effort and energy and passion into this. Um, I decided that uh, trying to publish a book that raised money for good, in other words, a philanthropic project would be it. So in Malaria is a collection of about 60 or 70 short articles, you know, like blog posts, basically, but all centered around the topic of how do I do more great work, have more impact, have more, mean, have more meaning in the work that I do. Um, and what was cool about it, because of the business model, which Seth was working directly with Amazon, we, he negotiated a way that all the money raised from the books, so and not just the profit, but actually all the money went to Malaria No More. So we 
um, raised, I think, close to $400,000. The book actually hit number two on Amazon.com, which was super exciting to, to get that high. Um, and I got a chance, to, as you say, to work with Seth a little bit and the team he built around him as part of that. And, uh, you know, it was an exhilaratingly <laughs> fast-paced uh, process where you basically come to the conclusion that Seth Godin is about 70% genius and 30% crazed maniac. And that's a powerful combination. Um, we had this great moment where at one stage, Seth calls me up and goes, so Michael, I know we were looking to publish this in, let's say, December, but we've decided to, to move it forward. So we want to move it in, in September now, um, which is about, I think it was about maybe six weeks away. I was like, well, that's wonderful and yet hilarious, Seth, because like, you know, this is my side hustle. I've actually, I'm traveling for the next six weeks. I've got a thousand other things on and I would love to have hit that timeline, but that's just absolutely impossible because I'm the guy doing pretty much most of the work here. I'm like, I'm, I'm formatting it. I'm rewriting some of the essays. I'm, I'm structuring it. I'm, I'm doing a lot as the kind of the editor and the creator and the kind of mind behind this. And Seth was like, so we'll, we'll be launching in September then. And I was like, <laughs> oh, right. I, oh, yeah, this is, uh, this is, uh, this was less a conversation and more a strategic decision. So, you know, I ran around like a headless chicken for that period of time. And we got the book out and, and it was fun and a success. And I actually wrote, um, I just remember, I didn't mention this in the previous interview. So it's good that we should get to it. There's um, 800 CEO reads. Um, put out a, a monthly, they, they kind of publish some manifestos once a month. And I actually wrote a manifesto called Speed at, um, at the Speed of Seth. Um, oh. And it's one of two or three manifestos I've, I've written for them. And if people are really keen, they can kind of dive into the what the experience was like working with Seth there and the, uh, both the, as I say, the prizes and the punishments. Interesting. So I just received a box from from that company with uh, 12 copies of what to do and it's your turn because I have a number of guitar students that are graduating tomorrow, or I'm sorry, Friday, and uh, they're all going to receive a copy uh, of that book. That's great. Um, so, um, and, and yeah, Seth does have a way of making change happen. He does, yeah. he is not afraid to put things out there that might not work. Yeah. Um, and, and so very often he puts stuff out there that, that does work. And I, I, I'm eager to go check out your, your project with him through the Domino project. You've mentioned the word side hustle twice now, yeah. and we've also been talking about great work. Um, yeah. where do you think, where do you think great? So how does one do great work? Um, and is there a place for doing great work in a side hustle while you're doing that middle bucket where you're just yeah. kind of doing your job description? So bad work, mind-numbing, soul-sucking, bureaucratic, why the hell am I doing this sort of work? Good work, safe, predictable, sure, it keeps you busy, keeps you maybe a little stressed, um, kind of your job description so you know how to do it and you do it well enough and it pays the bills typically, and you like doing it. Um, and then great work is work that has more impact and work that has more meaning. Now, the experience of doing great work is exhilarating often. It's kind of that flow state. But it also is a place of anxiety and uncertainty and resistance. Uh, you know, it's um, 
it's part of why Seth loves Stephen Pressfield and his uh, The War of Art, that same point about stepping up to meet resistance. Um, so my take on great work is that it's not going to, it's rarely going to happen just through good luck. It has to be a deliberate choice and it has to be something that you carve out time and space for. Because A, you have to go and find great work, typically. I mean, it comes from three different resources. Disaster, um, delegation, and discovery. So disaster is where, you know, the S hits the fan, and to save the building, you plunge into the fiery building and rescue the thing, and you're like, oh, my God, that's exhilarating. The challenge, of course, is you, you don't actually want to create disasters just so you can do great work. It, it, they show up or they don't. Um, delegation is when somebody hands you a piece of great work and says, go for it. And that can be wonderful, but um, it's also outside your control. I mean, you can influence that if you have a boss and, and a hunter. But discovery is a critical thing, which is like a deliberate commitment to step forward and to go, how do I, how do I know what great work might be for me and how do I go and find that? But then you've got to go and hold the time and the space for it because there's enough good work in your life right now to more than fill up every waking hour that you have and then some. So actually the question, it's like one of the questions in the Coaching Habit book, it's the question that links the two books is if I'm going to say yes to this, what must I say no to? And there's this degree around, and you know, this is called creative on purpose. So this is the question that lies at the heart of creative on purpose, which is you don't really get to be creative accidentally, not in a sustainable way, which means you have to make choices. And Peter Block, another author who I love, when he says that part of what it means to be an adult is to make and own your choices, and what's hard about that is when you make a choice, what comes with it is guilt and anxiety, right? Guilt about what about the choices? What about the things I'm saying no to and anxiety about have I said yes to the right thing? But that's the essence of, of doing great work. Now, uh, it's different for everybody as to how it shows up and how you run a great work project and the like. But what is almost certain to be true is it has to be a deliberate planned choice and you have to carve out that space and you have to know what your great work might be. I'm not sure what your question was, but that's a very, <laughs> very comprehensive answer to it. Well, you, you touched on um, one of the other things that I had written down, which resistance, um, whether, and, and, you know, Seth references Stephen's um, book uh, or the resistance through Stephen's book, The War mm -hmm. of Art. Um, often he also talks about the lizard brain and yeah. um, basically, uh, you know, so that's, we know, I think that we know that we are onto something or that oftentimes resistance or fear or whatever you want to call it shows right. and points us at the direction that we sure. want to go. Often, um, often anxiety is a really great tap on the shoulder to say, Hey, something interesting is happening here. Right. Hey, hey speaking of anxiety, I know that I noticed the recording button has been off for the last three minutes. Oh no! No, no, I'm kidding. No, oh, Jesus! Winding you up. <laughs> okay, because I've been I've been actually double checking. I, I know you have. have. I, I know you have. I just... <laughs> okay, I I deserve that. I I need actually need. No, it. no, it's all right. You're now thinking to yourself. I never really liked Michael. Now I like him a whole lot less. Well, this is, you know, I, I want to say right, right here and now, what a profound influence your work has had on, on, on mine. When I got my, you know, when you sign up for the Alt MBA, and I was in the Alt MBA six sessions, so one of the earlier sessions, um, I guess it was August 2016. Um, a week 
a couple of weeks before it begins, you get this box of books. And there's 12 books that you can't possibly read before the yeah. thing starts. But I started a book that I won't mention by name because it's one of Seth's favorite books, and it was my least favorite book. Um, and Seth I got about, no taste. <laughs> I got about halfway through, and I just said I could, I can't do this one. Mm. Um, I then picked up the coaching habit, and I read that in one sitting. Yeah. I had lunch, and I went back and I reread it with my notebook, and it was just so. Part of it was the biggest part of it may have been the whole idea of, of starting new habits, which is a way of yeah. breaking through that resistance is a way to get started yeah. um, with, with a new project. So maybe, bless you. I want to thank you for, for ruining my life and uh, turning <laughs> on to this idea of doing great work and sure. work that matters, but speak a little bit more about, cause you've kind of talked around this, but we have, and you've mentioned strategy, but, when and you've talked about planning so when we are developing our idea and mm. getting ready to launch whatever this great work is going to be we have to be thinking strategically and tactically and we have to have some sort of goal in mind yeah um so this is as much an art as it is a science i think because it's what what it's hard about this call to pick your great work. And I like to think of it as pick your great work project because the project has a start and a middle and an end and it kind of is a doable thing. I mean, if Seth and others role model anything for us, it's watch them run projects and learn from it and decide whether they want to repeat it or not. Um, and you're always played with the thought around, well, is this the best? I mean, is this it? What if I get it wrong? What if I'm, what, you know, you don't know. And you can become paralyzed by that sense of, I don't know. So there's a certain amount of going, like, do you have a strategy? Like, do you have a, what's, what's the why behind the work you're doing? What's the impact you're having? How does it connect to the bigger reach you want to have in the world? And perhaps there's a question around, well, is this, is this going to make me money? I mean, is this a money thing? Is this, is this an, uh, a creative indulgence? Is it more than that? Is it less than that? Is it about meaning? Is it about money? Is it about impact? You know, for the sake of what? And then there's a degree to which you're like, um, you know, how compelling is this for you? Is it really something that calls you forward? Is it an idea that kind of won't let you go? Um, you know, you you know, ref okay, we're now we're now kind of obsessing about Seth Godin, but you know, you look at his book, The Dip, and about how you will go through the dip where you're like, man, this is horrible and I want to give up. Um, and do you have enough reason to not give up? Um, all of that sort of stuff. And then at a certain point, you're like, you can't overthink it. You've got to try it out mm -hmm. and you've got to start some stuff. And you, know, you, you look at people who start businesses as a kind of parallel piece to that. Um, and almost never are people's business plans the thing that actually ends up being the thing that they work on. You start off going, here's what I think it's going to be about. And then you end up a year later or whenever going, turns out it's not about that at all. It's about this thing that's similar but different or I've had to pivot and do something completely different. I mean, when I started Box of Crayons, I really thought executive coaching was going to be a big, big part of what I did. It turns out that I don't actually enjoy doing nothing but coaching. I find it a bit boring and it's not 
It doesn't have me in the spotlight enough. And I like being a teacher on a stage. It doesn't have me creating enough. It's just, and, I, yeah, and I'm just, I'm just not a very nice person. So I'm like, I don't like, I don't like people enough to be coaching them the whole time. So all of that stuff meant that my plans for Boxer Crayons have changed numerous times. All of this to connect to the great work piece. And honestly, starting your own business is often a great work project, but you need to be thinking about, so take your best guess, go for it. Um, but also know that you'll reach a moment, a crossroad moment where you're like, do I just work through the dip because this is the right project and it's just really hard right now or do i need to change the project yeah that's uh, i i love that it's i i've been thinking about this recently as um because you i think you're absolutely right you know you set up you set a goal you set a strategy you start testing your tactics yeah you realize that the thing is not a thing yeah. That you right. need to go, you need to pivot or or attack or do something. Yes. I think of strategy, um, strategy. You know, make make your strategy a compass. So, like you're, a, I think of you as a teacher. So, whether you are coaching or whether you are writing a book or whether yeah. you are traveling the world and um, you know being your thought leader um, persona. I mean, those are you. You are you are yeah. sharing a vision and you are sharing a process that will help people. Yeah. I mean, I, I personally have a, um, my, here's my personal mission slash vision, um, uh, which I created probably 15 years ago, and it's been a useful touch point, is I'd like to infect a billion people with the possibility virus. Now, nice. some people are like, will hear that and go, I don't even understand what that means. And some people are like, I, I do understand what that means and I act weird and I don't like it. Um, and I don't actually care because it, it resonates for me around lessons about impact and ambition and about um, having to get out of the way so it's not just about me, but it's about the idea spreading, all of that sort of good stuff. Um, and in fact, I had a, a guy, my friend Brett, sit me down about two months ago and go, hey, so how are you doing hitting a billion people? I'm like, uh, mm, good, yeah, that's a good question. They go, so are you going to hit it in your lifetime or not? And I'm like, huh, yeah, damn you. Uh, no, not at this rate. Um, so he goes, so does that mean you're kind of giving up on it or are you plateauing or what's happening there? I'm like, okay, Brett, God, you have one beer and you become this like ooh, life coach. Um <laughs> So it's been an interesting time kind of sitting with the challenge that he put out for me going, okay, what am I trying to do here? Well, but I, I would argue that you probably are a lot closer than you think you are because through your book, you infect people who then take your ideas. Sure. And, I, and, I get that. And, and, um, and a billion is quite a lot of people. <laughs> so you're like, okay, so we've sold, let's say in total of all my books, have sold half a million copies, which is about right. And if everybody who's read them, which is probably about 50,000 of the half a million copies that have been read, then touches two other people. So that takes me to 150,000, which is about 1% of a billion. So there's still a way to go. You, everybody's got to start somewhere, Michael. Yeah, exactly. I, think, I think you're doing okay. Thank um, you. So in the time that we have left, I would like to touch on one or two more topics that I've... Sure. That, that I've heard you just, you, you talked about, about, yeah. Well, you talked about passion. Um, yeah. And I'm actually, um, I'm on a campaign to um, get people to turn uh, from passion to purpose. But 
I definitely recognize uh, the, well, actually, let me go back even one step further. You talked about money or meaning as being motivations for projects. Yeah. And I, I often, and I, I, I assert that if you pay attention to the reasons for your work, the mm-hmm. results will, will come. The results take care of themselves. If you are doing something for money, you're probably attaching yourself to a goal that is not going to leave you very happy, even if you hit it. Um, and that, you know, passion for me is something that comes as a result of doing meaningful work yeah. that's done on purpose, for a purpose, with a purpose. Yeah. So maybe speak a little bit uh, about how you, you know, where where do you think passion fits in, in the Yeah, so I, I do think you, you grow into passion. I mean, at least I do. I mean, I... Um, would have been surprised if if 15 years ago you told me I'm going to end up running a training company around coaching skills. I'd have gone, hmm, not sure, but that's my thing. Turns out it could might be one of my things. Um, so I think um, trying to find work that has more meaning is a, a key part of it. So you're thinking about impact. Um, I don't think that um, results always follow process. Because I think sometimes you just fail and it doesn't work the way that you, you think it does. Um, but part of what great work does is it kind of has a compelling reason for you to, to try and do it anyway. I mean, with all of my books, I've gone through processes where I'm like, this is a stupid book and I hate it. And why don't I just not write it? But then it gets to a point where I'm like, you know what? I'm, this book feels like I need to write it regardless of whether it makes me money or not. Now, that means I don't not think about the money side of it. Um, because I'm not one for the selfless self-sacrifice to make the world a better place. I'm like, you need to have a sustainable life. You know, if you are a force for good in this world, kind of get your shit together around how you fund that. Because otherwise you have people who are who collapse because they don't have the support they need emotionally or financially or or whatever else to do the work that matters in this world. So I think there is a place to do that. And so you need to have your, uh, it's like an investment. You need to kind of have a, a work portfolio. So you're like, okay, I need to cover my risk. If I put everything into this, which I don't know will work, what that could do is just A, not have any impact and B, leave me depleted and exhausted and poor and whatever else. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I personally tend, I mean, so all this is my bias. So, you know, everybody listening in, you can take this and this isn't the truth. It's just how I think about the world. Um, but I do think for me anyway, there's always a way of going, okay, if the book doesn't work, how much does it cost me? Am I prepared to lose that money, and write it off? And do I have other ways to try and make the book pay pay off, even if it doesn't sell a whole bunch of copies? And so I knew with the coaching habit, it would be a marketing tool for my business. It would be collateral that we use in the training so people would get it there. Even if it sold no copies at all through Amazon or whatever, I knew there would be ways to make it successful. Yeah, yeah. So, and well, that so I think purpose and passion can both mm-hmm. be results of doing work that's done with proper yeah. motivation and a, a degree of an intention sure. um, and with an aspiration. So, and, and so maybe we'll just end on this last point because you, you've touched on it just now, the idea of sunk costs. Mm. I mean, if something fails, you know, what, what does that mean? Well, it's, 
a lot of it has to do with how you decide to frame it. Is it, yeah. is it a gift that now you, you learned a lesson and now yeah. you do better or? Exactly. Do I, did, I, did I learn from this? You know, have I just paid X thousand dollars or X number of hours to learn a, a valuable lesson? And if so, what's the valuable lesson? Because why wouldn't you make the most of that? Absolutely. Um, but you do want to you do want to know what's at risk and what you can afford to lose. I think that is really, really sage and Perfect. kind. Let's end on a slightly depressing note. Let's let's do. We've that. taken you from the heights down <laughs> into the kind of levels of depthy, slightly depressingness. Boom! Yeah. Well, let's. Sure. Uh, you should let's... never write a musical. I mean, yeah, it would be a it would be a depressing <laughs> musical. Like I need to kill myself at the end. I don't think there's any danger of me ever writing a musical. So no okay. need to worry there. So Michael, before I let you go, please let everybody know where they can connect with you outside of this broadcast. Sure. So there's three places I'll say. One is if you're, if you're interested in the Coaching Habit book, you can go to thecoachinghabit.com where there's downloads and you can get the first number of chapters and a bunch of other free stuff. Um, if you're interested in our corporate training program, which you're probably not, but boxofcrayons.com is where we talk about our, our approach to training. And if you want um, to look at my incomplete homepage, michaelbungaystania.com, that's my full name. When I got married, I took my wife's surname, so Bungaystania is my surname, michaelbungaystania.com. Um, it's going to, we'll have a website up there at some stage, um, but you can go and download a book on courage there, which is oh, one of the key drivers you need to be creative on purpose and do more great work. Yeah. That's the, the, the heartbeat of, of my work is cultivating curiosity and courage in the face of certainty and confidence. Nice. So very, uh, really great to speak with you again. I appreciate your time and generosity. Sure everybody for tuning in. If you're still with us, we appreciate your time and attention. Please connect with Michael Bungay-Stanier at his various websites. I encourage you to get The Coaching Habit and you should go to Box of Crayons and download and take a look at the videos on habit building. They are yeah, they're good. They are immeasurably helpful. Uh, it's always good to hear from you too at BeCreativeOnPurpose.com. Now, remember the words of Epictetus, learning that does not lead to action is useless. So take what you've learned here, now, go, share your best work with those that need it. It really matters. Michael Bungay Sr., thank you so much for your generosity in being here and for all the great work you do. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you're still with us, we really appreciate your time and attention. Please connect with our guest wherever they live online. And it's always good to hear from you at BeCreativeOnPurpose.com. Now, remember the words of Epictetus. Learning that does not lead to action is useless. So go out there and share your best work with those that need it. It really matters.